Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. Far are the shades of Arabia, where the princes ride at noon amid the verdurous veils and thickets under the ghost of the moon. And so dark is that vaulted purple, flowers in the forest rise and toss into blossom against the phantom stars pale in the noonday skies. Sweet is the music of Arabia in my heart, when out of dreams I still in the thin clear murk of dawn descry her gliding streams, hear her strange lutes on the green banks ring loud with the grief and delight of the dim-silked, dark-haired musicians in the brooding silence of night. They haunt me, her lutes and her forests, no beauty on earth I see, but shadowed with that dream recalls her loveliness to me. Still eyes look coldly upon me, cold voices whisper and say, he is crazed with the spell of far Arabia. They have stolen his wits away. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you flaming pudding. My name is Owen and those opening lines come from a poem entitled Arabia by Walter de la Mar. On the Arabian Peninsula just the other day, of course, Liverpool became champions of the world for the very first time. And here to describe those gliding truths with me are three other Reds fans from around the world. As sometimes happens, the sound quality isn't quite perfect on this one, especially on my voice, which sounds like I'm inside Santa's sack. And you can choose which one. But anyway, I do trust that you can forgive me for that. Thank you a zillion for listening. I believe in you. Thank you a zillion for listening and enjoy. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Ryan in Japan, by Robin who's in England uh, and Neil who's in Belfast uh, in Northern Ireland. Absolutely marvellous. Um, I'll start with Ryan. We'll do this in in the order I just read it out. Um, Ryan, you're a champion of the world. How does it feel? Uh, I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it? We, we've had such a great year, 2019. Uh, I just hope we can continue and, and uh, you know, capture the Premier League in May. Excellent answer. Yeah, excellent, fabulous stuff. Robin, you woke up a world champion. You went to bed a world champion, I, I imagine, unless you didn't sleep. Um, are you buzzing like I am? Oh my god, of course, um, I was really looking forward to this match and it feels great. I, I hardly slept, I was meant to sleep three hours before I should have slept, but I just couldn't get away from reading all the stuff about Liverpool, watching all the videos, the fan reaction, celebrations, the highlights, just on and on. And there's been some great pictures that come out after um, winning the game. Uh, it feels strange to be world champions. I've got lots of Brazilian friends, um, lots and lots of Brazilian friends, and I actually watched the last time we were in this tournament. I think we played against Sao Paulo after winning in 2005, and they take it really seriously. And then we, we were all together watching that game, and they were so, so pumped up for this match that uh, it made me realise how important it is to the rest of the world, which I think we've all discovered recently now. And when the game was about to start yesterday, all these friends that I have not spoken to years and decades, perhaps, they all start texting me about this match all over again. And those feelings and memories all came back again. But this time the, the um, result was different and it feels great. And it's something that we can officially proudly call ourselves. We may have all felt that we were the best in the world or we play the best football in the world. And people might say it, but now it's official fact, we are the best in the world and it feels great. And what a year to, um, this has been and what a way to finish off. It would just be icing on the cake if we uh, beat Leicester and extend our lead and enter into the new year with, with this awesome, awesome feeling. Love it. Totally wonderful answer as well. Yeah, yeah. Leicester will get on to, to previewing that big match in a few days. Woo! 
It's looking good for Liverpool. Everything's looking good for Liverpool. Uh, Neil, thanks for joining us uh, on Cop On. Um, great to have you with us. Uh, Liverpool are the first side to to win the intercontinental treble of the Champions League, the Super Cup and the Club World Cup. We're going to need a bigger wall at Melwood to add this new trophy on. How are you feeling? Oh, delighted. I was um, back home for Christmas, so I met up with a with an old school friend to watch the match, a Man United fan. Um, so it was uh, doubly sweet watching it with uh, him trying to pretend he was watching City Leicester, ignoring the <laughs> the sudden um, shift in power dynamic between the two clubs. Oh, it's got to hurt for him, hasn't it? How is he these days? Is he a sort of shell of a man that he used to be? Um... He was he was a lot less cocky, yeah, a lot less cocky. He tried to he tried to fob the Club World Cup off as a meaningless trophy, but it's not the the last uh, the last thing Liverpool needed to win. So they've got the they've got the full set now. That's all they've got, isn't it? That's all they've got. Our rivals is to belittle us for making history, for being the world champions. Ooh, it's just a lovely feeling, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. They don't know what it's like. Um, the most important award, of course, the Alibaba Cloud Award, going to Mo Salah. Um, I've got absolutely no idea what that was about. That made me laugh. Uh, but then, you know, Mo Salah got the most, you know, the best player of the tournament, etc., etc. Uh, and uh, I think that was playing to the crowd a bit. Uh, but congratulations to him. I mean, he was still very good. Yeah. Robert, what do, what do you reckon about it? I had a look at what that uh, trophy meant on online. I think it's just the man of the match award that they do. So um, there have been a few players that got it beforehand uh, in this tournament. So I think for the uh, Monterey game, uh, Mohamed Salah got the Alibaba Cloud Award. And for the third place playoff, uh, Monterey versus, um, I forget who they played, it was given to uh, the keeper. And on the 17th, uh, Bruno Enrique got that. Uh, for Flamengo, so it's just their version of Man of the Match, Alibaba Cloud Award, but it sounds sounds good. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for thank you for clearing that up. I was wondering about that. That was like one of the world's greatest mysteries, as I put on Twitter. Is there life uh, apart from us anywhere in the universe? What is the meaning of life, and what the heck is the Alibaba Cloud Award? So I'm glad you could answer one of those questions. Uh, and as for the other two, I'm not sure I want to know. Um, Rion, Rion, excuse me, Rion, Rion, your, 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 your thoughts, um, when you saw the lineup and you saw that attacking midfield with Oxlade, Chamberlain and Cater and, uh, the rest of the lineup, what were you thinking? I'm thinking how much we miss Fabinho, but, you know, that was the best team club put out and, um... I mean, I just have to to mention, I, 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 I was really worried about the the referee before the match, and it did prove to be kind of true. I mean, I know they wanted to give it to a, a hometown referee. Um, I, I think FIFA are very happy that we did win, because I think there would have been a bit of a, a storm, a cloud kicked up if, if it had gone the other way, because I thought he had a shocker. I don't know what you guys think, but I thought the referee really uh, was one of the poorest referees I've ever seen at this level. He was he was absolutely shocking. Yeah, incompetent. Um, you know, poor, uh, horrib horribly, um, awful. I don't know how many how many words you can think of. But then you know that just brings me back to uh, you know the last time that Andre Mariner refereed. Yeah, I mean, I thought I think uh, Mike Riley, the head of the Premier League referees, would have been looking at that, going, "Oh, well, there's some talent." No, he was he was absolutely horrific, Ryan. Yeah, totally. But uh, you know. It's um, it's another flaw in the VAR system that can that is just so easily rectified, right? I've been well, did you did you see yeah. the when he was checking the screen? It looked like he was just checking mm -hmm. still images and and not even a video. I mean, I'm not sure what you guys saw, but it looked like he just was checking some pictures that he'd been sent. And how he came to that decision to to award a drop ball. As it's still got me baffled. No, yes, absolutely. That's 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 precisely what I was going to say because from his point of view, the still images that were from far away on this particular camera, the f 
the 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 Rafinha, who's a complete jerk off, by the way, we'll have to talk about him as well. Insult him a bit, uh, but anyway, it, 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 he he fouled him twice. You can actually see. I've watched it back a lot of times from the correct angle, but from the ref's angle, you're completely right, Ryan. He's he, um, his foot was blurred. Rafinha's foot was blurred, and it was from miles away. There was uh, the one angle where you could see it was from behind the goal. Uh, and 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 it was zoomed in, and you could see very clearly there was a, there were there were two moments of contact. One of them I put in the in the notes of the agenda that uh, you know my guests today might be able to to see, and uh, the listeners I'll post that one online. That's with when uh, Rafinha's foot makes contact with Sadia, but the first contact, Rafinha's shin on the back of. Mane's leg so it's a double contact which is why Sadio Mane's shot was wild um, completely wild and if you'd seen Sadio Mane play this season you, I mean the ref should have known at least something was wrong by the way that you know that ball just sort of ballooned wide it's not like Sadio at all so there was a double foul but that's something that we need to we need to insist on Robin, don't we? We need to say, well, when you have a VAR call, you need a number of, I would suggest, a minimum of four different camera angles so that you get the right one because it's completely natural in a game of football that's very fast that you, some players will be blocking uh, the view. Uh, you know, you, you won't have the right angle of, of, for the leg extending etc etc we need a minimum of four angles and that's a very simple solution what do you think Robin? as long as none of those four cameras is being operated by marketing atkins and i'm okay with that um i think i think the referee was a bit of a joke um i don't understand how he under how he got that ruling that it should be a drop ball um all of us thought that it should have been penalty, but maybe we were a little bit biased and we wanted Liverpool to win desperately. And I think when you look back at it, the, the, the touch was just outside the box. And I think the commentators where I was watching on BBC, they said the same thing as always, a foul, but just outside the box. Then you start thinking about, well, if it's a foul and it's preventing a goal-scoring opportunity as a last-man rule, then that he should go. Rafinha should go. It's a red card. No, not sure how much of a benefit that would be in the last few minutes, but still should be a red card and, and we'd have a free kick. But what ruling does it say it should be a drop ball? It should, it should be a free kick. He must have seen something on that screen that suggests to him actually it wasn't a foul. If you look at the way that... Um, uh, Mane fell and the way that the shot went it's not normal for Mane to do that he's going towards goal and that fall must have been uh, helped by a foul I don't think I understood how football works not only that it's obviously he doesn't understand football if you look at the rest of the game we should have had a penalty uh, when there was a free kick uh, that was uh, crossed in, I think, by Robertson from the left. And Henderson was grappled, arms around his neck, his shoulders, pulling him down. There's two of them. One of them slightly pushed Henderson, but one of the defenders had his arms all around Henderson, pulled him down. And in fact, he gave a free kick. I don't know what he gave a free kick for against Liverpool. Um, I just didn't understand that when it was a clear penalty for us. There was also... Um, a moment in the first half when I think Cater was running into the box, he played a give and go, and uh, Philip Louise just ran straight into Cater, blocked him completely, completely uh, blocked his run, and Cater uh, just fell down. That should have been a free kick, uh, probably a yellow card. Uh, missed that, but it wasn't just even for. Um, oh, um, Salah, Salah got a weird free kick. I think he tried to do a turn and. Um, the player went down like a suck of sp uh, spuds. And when you look at the so uh, slow motion, um, it looked as though it hardly touched him. The referee almost seemed apologetic for giving uh, Salah a, a yellow card. And I love the fans' reaction. We're all booing the referee. I think, how could you? How can you give our Salah a yellow card? I love that moment. But it wasn't just against Liverpool. He made a strange... Um, made a strange decision for them as well there was i think a time when the ball came in and ox tried to jump for it to head the ball and he slipped he lost his footing and we got a free kick for that nobody touched him that was strange i think it's all ran consistently rubbish consistently rubbish is a fabulous way of, of summarizing it totally totally but uh, you know as as ryan said i mean we we can't spend too long on it because, you know, at the end of the day, we won. But I find that that's, that's an excuse we give almost every week for, for pretty shoddy refereeing. And uh, something's got to be done. 
that's just, you know, we live in hope. We live in hope. Looking at the positives, Neil. Let's look at the positives. Let's turn to them um, away from that feckless fool, uh, the referee, and into the genius of, uh, for example, I mean, we, we have many to choose from in this Liverpool team, but for example, Alison Becker, I'm going to start there. Uh, there's a marvellous stat from LFC Data, at LFC Data on Twitter, Uh and they say that Allison has saved 19 of his last 20 shots on target. And then from on Twitter again, at Brazil, spelt with an S, Brazil edition. Um, Allison in 2019, just to summarise, he's a Copper America winner, Champions League winner, Club World Cup winner, Yashin Trophy winner. Su- uh, no, he didn't win the Super Cup. That was Adrian, excuse me. But he was the FIFA Goalkeeper of the Year, the FIFA Team of the Year, in the UEFA Team of the Year, the Copper America Team of the Year, the Premier League Golden Glove, the Copper America Golden Glove, and the giant, joint highest Champions League number of clean sheets. Alison Becker. I was trying to think of a metaphor for how marvellous it is to have him in goal. And uh, the only thing I could think of is um, my favourite vegan dish, which is uh, Mexican chilli. Mexican chilli sin carne. Let's save the cows. Let's make vegan chilli. And I would say that Sadio Mani is the beans. And, uh, you know, you could say that Mo Salah is the tomato. Very, you know, essential ingredients. Virgil van Dijk is the onion. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold is the guacamole. Joe Gomez is the garlic. Um, and uh, Andy Robbo is the salsa, the lovely uh, fresh salsa served on the side. Uh, and and Bobby Firmino is the rice. But I think Alison Becker is that moment when you finish that beautiful plate of vegan chilli and you just think, what do I need to round off this meal? That, that was absolutely sublime. And then you remember that you have a tiramisu in the fridge. And Alison Becker, Neil, is the tiramisu in the fridge. What do you think? Um, yes, that's quite, quite, the, quite the metaphor. But yeah, he's... He's absolutely exceptional. Um, I think probably looking at him, you'd have to say he's probably the best goalkeeper since Gianluigi Buffon in his prime, really, between Buffon and Casillas. Because um, it's just um, it's just his, his sense of positioning is is astounding. Because if you look back over those saves, those um, he saved 19 of his last 20 shots on target. How many of them is he um, is he really stretching for? How many are you know just like fingertip saves that are you know would make anyone like would make David De Gea's highlight reel or whatever there's very few of them it's because he's he has this this innate sense of um where to be and where the strike is where the strike is most likely to go and he comfortably can make these saves comfortably there's not a lot there's not any very exciting double saves where he he just about tips one out and he doesn't he doesn't quite get it away from the danger zone he has to get up quickly and save it again there's there's nothing like that there's just solid consistent goalkeeping that must be like an incredibly soothing sort of tonic if you're um if you're playing in front of him in midfield say you're Nabi Keita and you're thinking I don't have Fabinho behind me um do I take this dribble on could lose the ball if you have Van Dyke and then Allison behind you that must be an incredible weight off your mind in terms of decision making um taking the ball forward because Liverpool were crying out for a I don't want to be too harsh to Mignolet or Carius but a a proper goalkeeper for a for a long time, especially since Pepe Reina left, and um, he's easily the best goalkeeper I've seen play for Liverpool in my lifetime. A short-lived uh, goalkeeping world record price, very well spent, I'd say. I saw another stat for Alisson. Um, get this: so, uh, Alisson Becker's last um, his last five win or go home matches for Liverpool. So these were against Flamingo, Salzburg, Spurs in the Champions League final, Barcelona that game, and Napoli when we played them at home when we could have got eliminated from the group stages uh, last time around. So those were his uh, five go home win or go home games. In those matches, um, he's uh, saved all twenty six shots on target, including six big chances. Just when it when it when it matters. And you need players to step up. 
he stepped up just complete clean sheets in those five games otherwise we wouldn't have been where we are now just a legend that is legendary that is absolutely legendary uh ryan you just feel safe with him in goal don't you i mean there's nothing i can say that you guys haven't already said he's he's the best i've ever seen play for liverpool in my lifetime as well uh clearly the best goalkeeper in the world the brazilian number one what else do we have to say? I mean, he's just—he's the best, and we got him. It's absolutely true. All right, uh, let's move. Let's let's go to his his compatriot Bobby Firmino, the Brazilian man. He scored that beautiful goal. That beautiful goal. I love the way there was sort of an iconic style to that goal. Uh, but uh, Bobby Firmino against Flamengo, he had eighty-four percent passing, um, one chance created, four shots. He hit the woodwork once. He scored a goal, uh, and I this made me laugh. He had three clearances, and I remember two of them being absolutely vital when he was defending uh, corners. I, don't, I can't remember the other one, but um, it, Bobby Firmino, I mean, amongst a lot of other players in that game, he was absolutely exceptional. And Ryan, I was so happy that it was him who scored the goal because it meant so much to Brazil and Brazilians in, in, in general. Yeah, of course. Um, it's great to to see him score against the Brazilians. Uh, he's by far my favorite player. He's the glue that that holds the front three together. Without him, they're not the same. I mean, Salah and and Mane are amazing players, as we know. But Bobby's the key. Um, I hope we never lose him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that would be a that would be a tragedy. He's the glue. He fits it in. I, I was thinking about this though, Ryan. Imagine with Minamino coming in. Could you imagine him moving into a, you know a number eight in midfield? Yeah, why not? Um, for sure. But the thing is uh, about Minamino as well. He's the perfect player for Klopp's team. Uh, he plays. He's a playmaker. He can play number ten. Uh, he played all over the front line for Salzburg, uh, for the Japanese national team. He played on the wing as a second striker, uh, number eight. He's even played wing back before um, and did really well. He's a very, very clever player. And, I mean, how we got him for £7 million is, is it's, uh, I mean, obviously that was the, the fee in his contract. But, you know, Man United didn't know how much they could get him for. And for us to jump in and steal him for so cheap, uh, I mean, we're getting a hell of a player. And uh, I can't wait for for him to play for us and for everyone to see, you know, how good some of these Japanese players really are. Excellent. Yes. I mean, you are in Japan. Tell us about where you are in Japan and what's the mood around Minamino and how long have you been in Japan? Tell us these things, please, Ryan. I've been Ryan. in Japan for uh, 16 years now. Um, via Australia. My father's my father's Cumbrian, actually. Uh, but I'm Australian and he was just Minamino the Japanese national team player and we all kind of knew he was coming to Liverpool a few days earlier we found out you know through some of the, the web pages and whatnot but it seemed that there was just there was no coverage over here of anything until he signed and then it just exploded like he was all over the TV uh, Klopp was all over the TV it was just this massive boom all of a sudden um, on e almost every channel you could find here. And literally overnight, he's he's become massive in Japan. Massive. Um, there was an interview, I think, back in 2015 that they played here on Japanese TV of him. He was interviewed and he said, the interviewer asked him, like, where would you like to, to play? He was already at Salzburg, I believe. And he said, I want to play in the Premier League. And I want to play for Klopp. Uh, obviously, that was the Kagawa influence from Dortmund because uh, they played together in Osaka for Cerezo Osaka. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's living his dream. Good on him. Uh, and I know he's gonna he's gonna be a great player for us. Yeah, I've got I've got such a good feeling. I mean, I'm sure everybody does. I mean, he just seems like exactly the right kind of player, uh, based on you know the the what three or four games I've seen him play, two against us, and uh, apart from that, just uh, just highlights really. But he looks perfect for us. But yeah, I'm jumping around a bit. Let's go back to the let's go back to the to the to the actual match yesterday as we're recording this. In the first uh, ninety minutes, 
uh, well, the first half with the XG was very low for both teams. By the end of 90 minutes, the XG, we had 1.22 to their 0 0.61. Um, and uh, they had one chance right at the death, didn't they, with their youngster, Lincoln. Um, Neil, I thought our defence was excellent yesterday. Uh, of Virgil and Joe Gomez. Um, will you talk to us about, about the defence? Yeah, um, I'm very happy with the uh, sudden return to form, Joe Gomez, because up until, was it... Um, December last year when he had that leg fracture against Burnley he was looking like he was going to turn into an absolutely top class centre half and uh, he's taken a bit of a while to come back from that um, especially this season seemed like it seemed like he had some issues in training with Klopp and uh, whenever he was on the pitch if he was playing at centre back or right back he was he was far from that level but um, since the injury to Lovren who who deputised very ably for Joel Matip he's been he's been brilliant in the last few games. And it's coincided with a sudden, a sudden increase in clean sheets, which had been very, very limited up to this point. Do, but do you think we've been? Do you think we've been unlucky though in the clean sheets, like especially earlier in the season? I thought we were conceding goals that were a bit. You know, I don't know, like just one, one. We would concede one good chance in a match, and they would score pretty much every time. Or was it? You know, was it bad defending? Well, I mean, it happened. It happened far too much for it just to be, um, you know, a, a case of luck. You know, it was that this luck is very much hazard, isn't it? It's probability, and it happened too often for that to be the case. But I, I think, compared to last season, Liverpool are a lot more attacking this season. Um, that seems to be that from the way they play. That seems to be rather evidence of it goes with the territory. If you're more attacking, you are going to throw up more. Um, you're going to leave more chances at the back and I don't think Liverpool have defended poorly this season I think they've defended well but yeah they haven't kept enough clean sheets up to this point but the most important thing really is that they haven't affected Liverpool and also the other caveat being that most of those um, games that have conceded goals they've only conceded one goal they've not conceded how many I can't really think of many games where Liverpool have conceded two or more goals exception of Salzburg at Anfield. And I think that's about it, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. I can't remember it. I can't remember either. Yeah, no, but you're absolutely right. We have been solid this season. What did you make of our defence yesterday, Robin? <clears throat> I thought um, I thought that we did well. There were some moments that we were a bit uh, nervy, especially at the end of the first half. I felt um, a lot of tension and anxious. But um, you're right, Gomez, Gomez put in a solid performance. I was really impressed by him. Um, a lot of uh, Flamingo's best play came down on the left-hand side with uh, Enrique uh, trying to take on uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I thought um, Gomez uh, gave a lot of good support to Arnold. And um, his heading and positioning of the game was really good. I think the standout moment was um, in the first half... Um, there was there was a time where Luis Enrique not Luis Enrique um Enrique that um he broke down the left hand side and he took a shot and I don't know how Gomez just made up that ground to put a block in and went out for a corner that was an excellent last ditch challenge but um the defense has been good and Gomez has been trying to find his way back into the first team um we all thought that the partnership with Gomez and VVD at the start of last season is going to last for many, many years. But that injury took him back a few steps. And in that time, Matip and then Lovren um, stepped up their game. And when Matip was injured, we were, we, were quite, we were quite hurting to see this great partnership between Matip and um, Van Dijk. Uh, how much would that suffer? But Lovren stepped up and now looks as though this has been a great game for Gomez. Um, he's got an opportunity now for at least another few more games to try and get that place back to um, for himself. So this is really good. I think he was um, one of the shots for man of the match. He was very positive uh, in the game as well. I think he had probably even had a slightly better game than um, Virgil van Dijk yesterday, um, which is saying a lot, um, especially for a young guy. It was really, really good. I felt that our defence... Um, we couldn't get forward as much as we want to. Our fullbacks were held back a bit. So Flamengo were a very good side. You could see the attacking threat they had. And usually how Trent and Robbo 
bomb down those wings um we didn't see that as much and we didn't even see um that uh that customary uh long crossfield pass that we have from uh trent to robo to switch play and and start off attacks that didn't really happen as well they they, they studied us and a lot of their attack came down their uh, left hand side um on trent side but all in all i think we did okay our positioning was good there's a couple of them weird uh slices that kicked the ball straight up into the air by verbage van Dijk, which is very unlike him but his positioning is good his heading was good um and they didn't have any clear-cut chances flamengo um i remember there was a shot that uh their strikers of uh gabriel uh barbosa he took it very early and that was um, a great save that uh, Alisson made. I think that was his best save of the match. There was an overhead as well, but I think that was more comfortable when he gathered up uh, cleanly. But that first half shot by Barbosa, that was um, fizzing to the bottom corner and um, Alisson saved it well. But in general, I think our defence has been good. And I think um, Neil's right. Um, it hasn't been many opportunities where we felt as though this defence is not going to stand up. But it doesn't feel as strong as it did at the end of last season. But I think... Um, I think Klopp and his team, they, they push on another gear after Christmas. So hopefully this defence uh, will become even stronger. And we still got, I think, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, is the second best defensive record in the Premier League so far. So as bad as we are, we're still the second best or thereabouts. And um, and I think we'll get better. We just hope these um, injuries um, will come back and they get back to full fitness and uh, form quickly. So it's it's looking good for us. Very good. Uh, guys, do you think uh, Klopp will dip in the transfer market in January and get anybody? You all remember uh, Stephen Coker in I think 2015? Do you think... I mean, we don't know how long are these uh, uh, Lovren and Matip going to be out. And we know Fabinho can play in defence, but he's going to be out till January. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, it's a very good question. Um, um, I think an emergency centre-back signing... It could, it could be useful, but um, oh, it's really difficult, isn't it? It's a really difficult thing. If we lose Van Dijk or Gomez, that that that's an absolute disaster. Um, Matip and Lovren have been injury prone their whole careers, haven't they? And uh, so has Gomez, unfortunately, even though his career is still very young. Uh, I think it could be prudent. Yes, I would say. Even though it might disrupt squad harmony, I would say an emergency centre-back signing, if it was somebody older, experienced, maybe on a free, I think that would possibly be a good idea. What about you, Neil? Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, a sort of signing, sort of a la Ragnar Klavan, would be, would be quite handy because of the four senior centre-halves, three, as you said, have proved to be injury-prone through the majority of their career and then um I was just thinking about the um the match against Villa with the um you know the under 16s playing Villa and um Seth Vanderberg looks a very good player but I think you could see from that that he isn't he hasn't quite physically developed uh enough for the top level you could see um the Villa striker was able to roll him a bit too easily a couple of times so I mean, he looks like a very accomplished player but he just he isn't ready physically so I don't I think if there was an issue were to develop suddenly for Gomez or Van Dijk. I think it would be very unfair to suddenly thrust Vandenberg, for example, into into the first team. So um, yeah, I think some uh, uh, sort of a, an Andy Lonergan esque centre half could be could be good, could be a very good bit of business to do. I think it all depends on them, um, as um, you know, rightly said. It depends on them. Um who's out there and what the value is. I don't think Liverpool are the kind of team that go out and panic buy and spend 100 million Koulibaly or something like that. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, it's what the value is and how can we make sure that the team isn't disrupted and um, the momentum still carries on. So uh, Joe Matiba, there hasn't been, with Joe Matiba and Lovren, there hasn't been a return date that's been set. So Matip, um, his recovery hasn't been as well as we thought it would be. And I think they're just reassessing him to see how he's going to get along. And Lovren, um, he had a muscle injury as well, but um, he had a muscle injury, I think, at the in a league match and he came back again um, to play a last league game but <clears throat> I think Klopp said it was a slightly bit more serious so I don't know if it's a 
couple of weeks or not so it doesn't look great and um and Fabinho again is not really sure when he's going to come back so we we could play Henderson there but then it leaves our midfield really light as well um so if if the right player comes along then that's fine I, from the uh, youth team I think um uh Kijana Hoover I think he's played really well so maybe um he might be able to step in uh, on the bench to provide some cover but it's it's a bit of a risk um with some these players new one or uh, some of the youngsters to bring in at this point of the season where we're going for the title um but you're right it is it is a bit of a concern um just hope that some of these players get back to full fitness soon right well yeah <clears throat> i concur um one thing uh, i just checked by the way about our, our defensive record we've conceded 14 goals and it's the the joint best with leicester city although they've played obviously a game more than us um we'll talk about them in a moment but um yeah we've only conceded 14 goals so far so we, our defense is doing very well even if we have been conceding one goal quite regularly winning 2-1 um, but Ryan, I'm interested in your answer. What do you think uh, about uh, buying in January? Would you would you get anybody? What about cover at left back, for example? Well, Millie can play there, can't he? Uh, and he played the whole season at left back. Um, I think it was in Salah's first season. Milner was the left back there. Um, like like you guys said, it's you know, do do you bring in? someone and risk to disrupt in the back room you know the the team uh, yeah i mean if we could get someone like an adrian uh kind of you know defender yeah why not for free you can't you, you can only help having him in the squad in training um I'd, I'd go for it if if it was right obviously we don't want to be spending crazy amounts of money you know when we've got four defenders already but if someone was there, I'd have a look. How about Vertonghen? Do you reckon we can get him? Would you want him? His contract's um, up, isn't it, for uh, renewal? Uh, it might be. I know. I know. Elder Weireld would um, is is out of contract at the end of the season. But uh, uh, yeah, Vertonghen. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Mate, I think he's a great, great, uh, a great defender. Um, I would. I wouldn't touch Elder Weireld with a barge pole, though. What do you think, Neil? Um, yeah, I was going to say uh, same. Um, I'm not. I'm not really sure which one of them it is, but one of them seems to be quite a disruptive influence in the in the dressing room. I'm sure, there was the um, there was that rumor about the rift between about it was Vertonghen and and Ericsson, uh this season. So um, I don't know what a what a character like uh, Vertonghen in the Liverpool dressing room could could possibly throw up. You know, I think the the absolute ideal would be to get like a the road back a couple of years and get Colo Toure again. He'd be, he'd be a great um, presence in the in the dressing room, especially for the younger players. And he's a, a very seasoned pro, but I can't really say that any names immediately spring to spring to mind for me. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we'll have to leave that up to our fabulous recruitment team. Michael Edwards, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'd, I've, I've made a sort of baking mould of his face so that I can make muffins in the shape of Michael Edwards's face now. Uh, just as a tribute to the man. The man's a genius. There was another tweet I saw where, uh, if I can find it, um, we have bought, hang on a moment. Um, yes, okay, for a combined fee of 51.5 million, we have bought uh, Andy Robertson, Mo Salah, Takumi Minamino, and you can chuck in Matip and Milner because they were both free. 51.5 million is the same money that we received for Dominic Solanke, Kevin Stewart, Ryan Kent, Danny Ward and Andre Wisdom. Um, I mean I, I reckon I should sell this baking mold because it's gonna be it's gonna be really popular. If Michael Edwards isn't on the New Year's honours list then I'm renouncing my British nationality and I'm just going to become, I don't know, a city, a citizen of the city of Liverpool, of the Liverpool nation. Um, Ryan, uh, Michael Edwards, what what kind of tribute would you do for him? Are you are you going to are you have you started embroidering? Uh, I I don't know if I could quite sum it up as well as you, uh, Owen. But I mean, you look at the people he's brought in, and you I mean you look at the players that he sold, and you you barely hear that 
anything that these players are doing. I know Solanke is getting the run in Bournemouth, um, but you're like Kevin Stewart. I mean, yeah, and who was the? Uh, there was an Australian player that uh, Brad Smith. I mean, you don't, you don't really hear these players, and you got amazing fees for them, like six million pounds for Smith. So he's just yeah, he's he's brilliant, isn't he? What, there's not much more else you can say about the man. I mean, the Minamino deal was done so quickly and. What was even better was that it was right under the noses of Man United. So he's great, isn't he? Totally terrific. What a what a guy. What a guy. Um, going on to the Leicester match, then that's our next match. Uh, they lost yesterday, Manchester City. Neil, I'm just going to go straight back to you because it was on in the pub. Did you manage to watch any of Man City Leicester? Um, yeah, I saw um, I, I saw all the goals. Um, I was sort of sat, sort of um, resolutely with my back to it, trying to watch this, the one screen show in Liverpool, a good twenty or twenty odd yards down the bar. Um, good on you. Only couldn't, couldn't stand, so I couldn't go stand in front of it. Annoyingly, I was told to go and sit back down. Um, <laughs> one thing I was I was thinking when you said it earlier. Um, if we're now so Leicester have now conceded 14 goals. So until yesterday, they'd only conceded 11 goals in the league. That is really quite impressive to be sitting in late December with only 11 goals conceded. So I mean, they're just a they're just a very very well set up team, um, especially defensively with um, Johnny Evans and uh, Soyuncu, uh, I believe it's pronounced, um, forming prob- probably the best defensive partnership in the league uh, at the minute. So. I mean, there you could make the point that United United spent eighty five million on Leicester's third best centre half. <laughs> but uh, I think I saw uh, Brendan Rodgers was complaining about the congestion, fic- uh, the congestion of the fixture list, and he seemed to seemed to hint that Jamie Vardy was getting on a bit now. He's what, 32, 33. so um, he seemed to suggest that he probably wouldn't play all the fixtures. So it's a bit of a long shot, but you know. Could be in the could be in with the possibility of Vardy, Vardy not being on the pitch on Boxing Day, which would be quite welcome, I think, after a couple of hard games in Qatar. Is I think overall Liverpool, uh, Liverpool sneak out with another two one, I think. Fantastic two one to the Liverpool. That's the result that uh, I don't know. It needs a chant, doesn't it? It's 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 two uh, one with a goal in stoppage time as we did to them in the first fixture of course that Milner penalty um, Leicester City how excited are you Robin about this match how do you see it going yeah I'm very excited so it would be a nice way to finish off the Christmas period to watch uh, the Leicester game uh, I think the result yesterday helped us um, I think that might um, kill any kind of idea Leicester may have had about pushing for a title uh, against Liverpool, I think they might be looking to solidify a top four place now. If we if we win the game against uh, Leicester, the ground um, the ground would be what thirteen points ahead. The sum like thirteen points and plus a game in hand over them, so potentially could be seventeen. So I think they might they might not be uh, as interested in pushing Liverpool. So that's good. Um, why did not play against Liverpool? I think that would be wishful thinking. It might be um, Brendan Rodgers playing some, trying to play some mind games. Um, I don't see how they can drop Vardy. They don't have another replacement. He is their talisman. He makes Leicester do what they do. Um, there's been other great players for Leicester uh, in their team, but without the goals that Vardy provides, Leicester wouldn't be anywhere near where they are at the moment. He's just a machine at the moment. I'm really impressed by him. He, play, he plays football in a nice way, very attacking, very direct, and it's good to see that. So um, hopefully it'll continue after um, the next game. Uh, and I'm excited. This should be a good game. Everybody's looking forward to the this clash for the top two. I just hope we get decent recovery time and um, get our players back in, and hopefully the injuries that we currently have to uh, Lovren, Ox, um, they're not too serious and they can shake it off and hopefully Genie's back by then as well. I think um, uh, some of the players do need a rest. I think Henderson probably needs a rest. Not that he's showing that he needs a rest, but um, he's, he's played quite a few games, intense games as well. So uh, maybe get some rest back into those legs would be really good as well. Um, so to go back, but um, I was just having a look while um, we were talking about some other defenders that are possibly available whose contracts up. Um, we've got Thiago Silva, 
Giorgio Cellini, but I think he might have an injury. Uh, Thiago Silva's contract subs. He's 35 years old. That would be a nice addition, I think, but um, as a backup. And also, do you remember Scott Dan? Didn't Liverpool once try to go for Scott Dan a few years ago? He's playing uh, at Crystal Palace. Um, he's not. I don't think it's a superb defender, but as a fifth or sixth choice uh, defender, it's not too bad. He might be in the Sir Stephen Corker mold there, and I'm pretty sure he's a Liverpool fan himself as well. But to go back to the Leicester game, um, I think um, we've got to have a tight battle in midfield, and we're just going to be on form. I think um, we've got to be strong and take our chances as well. I mean, that's a very interesting point. Thank you for that, Robbie. I mean, about the about the defenders, I like you know food for thought. I like the idea of. Scott Dan as a scouse, a Liverpool fan. I don't know how he's been playing, uh, but, uh, you know, I like the idea of it in a romantic kind of way. doesn't always work, a la Ricky Lambert, uh, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a nice thought. I don't think Thiago Silva would come and be happy to be down the pecking order. He's still starting most matches for PSG and he actually picked up an injury yesterday in their, in their game against Amia. He had to leave the field. I don't know how serious it, it was, but I saw the highlights of that game. Um, but yes, uh, sticking with, with, with Leicester, Ryan, um, how important is it? Now, we're 10 points ahead of them with a game in hand. Um, can we afford to lose and then win our game in hand and we're still 10 points clear of them? Man City, you know, are they, are they, you know, with that win yesterday, are they now back as sort of contenders? Because I was looking, somebody on Twitter, I can't remember who, sorry about that, but uh, they, they brilliantly posted a comparison between this year and last year and Man City are nine points worse off than they were at the same point last year. Nine points worse off. Um, I don't know. Does it does it matter too much this game, even though it's first versus second? Uh, I think we've got a little bit of cash in the bank. Although I just I I can't see us losing any game we play with, as Klopp says, with the mentality monsters. Um, and I just I'm so confident that that you know at the at the very worst we'll get a draw. I just I, I let as good as Brendan Rodgers has them playing. I just, they're not good enough. To mount, they're ten points behind. I just don't. I don't think they're good enough to to mount any kind of serious challenge from here. I I can't see us losing four more matches and giving up any kind of lead. Um, on and as you say, City are not the same team. They're nine points worse than they were, and they don't have you know Vincent Company for that wonder goal that he scored against Leicester last season. Uh, I think we can afford to to drop a couple of points here and at, at, uh, against Leicester, and I don't think it'll be a big problem. But to be honest, no, we're 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 gonna go there, and I'm pretty sure we're gonna two one sounds good to me. Great stuff, yeah, absolutely. What what do you think, Neil? Can can we afford to lose this one? Yeah, I mean, I think I think can't afford to lose this one because um, and if you look at the 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 league this season, really, there's, I mean, aside from Liverpool, the only other properly standout team you'd say is is Leicester. So I mean, if we go and lose to Leicester, we're probably with the exception of Man City, not going to play another team as good as Leicester for the rest of the season. And in terms of City, I think um, I think what could be quite important in terms for the run-in is the outcome of their Champions League tie against against Real Madrid, because I think it is quite obvious that they are more interested in the Champions League, especially now with the the points lead Liverpool have. They are a lot more interested in the Champions League. So I think uh, as you know, as funny as it would be to see them crash out. Again, early it would be probably in Liverpool's best interest that City do that City do go on. Um, but I think I, I just don't really see Liverpool slipping up from here. As much as I hate to say that, I don't. Or I'm, as much as I'm scared to say that, I just I don't I don't see it happening. Well, I like it. I like it. It's a bold prediction. Um, I I can't. I I just can't bring myself to say it or think it. There's still I don't know a lot of points left. We played seventeen games. There's twenty one. So there's what's that? Sixty three points around about there. You know, left to play for. Uh, you know, and uh, I can't. You know, until it's mathematically done. But we're strong, strong favourites. Um, yeah, I, I, 
Uh, in other news, Ancelotti to the Ev. I've seen some hilarious tweets, Robin, about that from Everton fans themselves. How how Liverpool fans will be really scared now. And then, of course, you know, the day after that, there's uh, Hendo lifting the cup after that glorious performance. Um, interesting appointment from Everton, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a strange and interesting uh, strange appointment. And interesting. I'm not quite sure you shared the message. It might have been you, Owen. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it's it seems like Angeletti going to Everton. I think you said it's like um, Al Pacino appearing in Coronation Street, a British um, a soap or TV show. It seems like a superstar like um Angelotti going to a lonely small club Everton. I don't understand it. But Everton have got money now, so um, they've got ambition. They haven't been shy of spending a lot of money, so maybe <clears throat> that was um, the deciding factor for Ancelotti to see if he can create a uh, brand new team. Um, they spent poorly. Um, I think there was a stat when we played them in the um, in the league in the Mosa Derby uh, earlier on in December to say that they've almost spent uh, half a billion pounds on recruitment under the different managers they've had when since Mushiri has taken over the club. That's a hell of a lot of money thinking about how much we spent and the recruitment players that we've got. So maybe Ancelotti may try his luck. And if you look at his um the clubs he's managed, some of the best in the world and then Everton. But his last um his last outing at Napoli, he didn't go into a um he didn't go into a team where it was star-studded with um, some of the best players in the world. And he had to work hard to build an identity and a style of playing that was very well respected and it played very well in the Serie A league. So maybe that's what he's trying to emulate or he's um, he's been tasked to emulate at Everton. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But similar to the Arsenal uh, appointment with Arteta, there's a hell of a lot of work that needs to be done. Some of these players, I just don't think they're good enough to play um at the level that what Ancelotti is used to playing, so maybe it will take. It's a slow road, but with the money behind him, maybe he can get the right recruitment. But if they get it wrong, then it's a lot more expensive players to add to the heap of rubbish that they already have. So I don't know. It's just wait and see. But it's nice to see how other teams are doing uh, from the position that we are, because it wasn't that long ago we were in a very similar position where we were throwing money to players that we perhaps didn't fully think that were the best and we're hoping that they're going to turn out to be uh, amazing players um but it's <laughs> it's a strange time for Everton I'm sure they'll be happy um we watched uh, a little bit of the game yesterday against Arsenal and by gosh that was such a dry boring rubbish match I had to switch off after half an hour I just couldn't watch it I'd, I'd rather you know watch paint dry it was so boring um, so they've got a lot of work to do at that, at that team. I just, let's see what happens. Yeah, great answer. Uh, it's a lot of work to do. I love that answer. Um, yes, all, you know, some of the best teams in the world and now Everton. Um, yes, uh, I can't take claim for the El Pacino thing. That was some genius on Twitter. Again, I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was. If you're listening, do send me a line and I will give you the credit after. It's like El Pacino accepting a role on Coronation Street. Excellent tweet. Um, um, uh, but just to finish, because we're, we're out of time, unfortunately, um, I want to go back to the match, which was yesterday as we're recording this, uh, the Club World Cup final and um, your man of the match. For me, there was only, despite lots of excellent performances from Bobby Firmino, from Sadio Mane, I thought Salah had his work cut out. There were some very good defenders against him, but he, he, he was dangerous throughout as well. But there was one man for me who was just everywhere and who's playing like a world champion, like a European champion, like a Super Cup champion. And he's playing like the captain of the team. And he is the captain of the team. Jordan Henderson. Oh, what a performance. I loved it. He was everywhere. He was cajoling. He was motivating. He was giving quizzical looks to that loony referee. And his quality. I mean, that pass that led to the goal. Jordan Henderson for me. Do you agree, Neil? What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I'd give, it to, I'd give it to Henderson as well. I think it was a... I think there wasn't really one absolute standout performer, but I think for his overall commitment 
to the to the match uh, as well as the moments of quality outlined of the pass to Mane for the goal. Um, yeah, I'm more than happy happy for it to go to him on this occasion. Excellent stuff. What about you, Ryan? Your man of a match? Yeah, Hendo for sure. He was he was everywhere. He was bossing the troops about. Um, he gave the referee a good good talking to during and after the match as well. Uh, he's just everything we we ask for in a captain. And uh, yeah, for me, Hendo. Great stuff. And you, Robin, finally, your man of the match. Um, before I get find the match, I would just want to say a couple of mentions to some of the other players I thought had a great game. So uh, first of all, I didn't think Firmino started very well with the chances missed. He wasn't linking up as he usually does and how brilliant he usually is. But that goal was superb. And especially in front of um, the crowd that, does, that, that don't really give him that that love in Brazil like the Liverpool fans do so it's good for them to all see how important he is to us scoring two goals in this tournament and how uh, vital he is to make Liverpool tick the way they do so I'm glad that they got to see a little bit of that um, I thought Mane was dangerous when he got the ball his directness his, his, his sharp his athleticism all that was good but that's nothing new for Mane that we see this every week uh, I thought Gomez had a superb game I thought he would have um, been mad at the match, but um, I also would have said um, Lalana when he came on um, as a sub, I thought he added uh, some calmness to that midfield and he gave um, Henderson good support to try and keep hold of the ball. I didn't think we were keeping hold of the ball as well as we could have done. I thought Lalana um, didn't embarrass himself and he did well and some great touches by Riga at the end just to keep the ball and just uh, frustrate them. But I couldn't agree with you more. By far the best player on the pitch was Henderson. His captaincy was excellent. His passing and vision was good. Every time he had that second on the ball and he's looking forward to see what options he has, he almost always produced a high quality pass. And some of his long range passing or to open up defences or his vision to play a ball over the top is Gerard esque, is perfect. And there's a lot of um, responsibility that he's had to fill in uh, to be the captain of Liverpool and to see that journey where he's made when he first came in as a little Macam Sunderland kid to Liverpool and he nearly left Liverpool to go out uh, to Fulham and he had he wanted to fight for his position and all the doubters that he had for club and country and now he's pulling in performances like this on the biggest stage not just this um, cup final but the others as well he just um, leads by example and we're all proud to have him as a captain and he wears that armband well and he's led from the beginning he turns up for the big matches and he's an inspiration to the rest of the team as well um, super player well done Henderson and I've got to say his trophy lift is becoming iconic I love the way he lives, lifts the trophy it's like the best trophy lift I've seen from any captain of any of these uh, Champions League or winning sides it's it's becoming a, a trademark move and I'd, I'd love to see it again and again every single year just well done Hendo well done guys sorry but one more thing uh, a quick shout out to Robo uh, did you see yes. when Mane was getting, being pulled back and he kind of lashed out at the at the right back uh, Rafina I think his name is and uh, Mane got booked for it even though he was completely being being uh, held back originally and Robo went up and said don't worry I'll get him he's brilliant isn't he <laughs> oh yeah no fantastic yeah it <laughs> was absolutely it. brilliant yeah we 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 love that from robo we love his shit house with his his uh, determination and then he did get him i don't know if you noticed that there was a moment when uh, rafinha kicked the ball away and robo went in and shoulder charged him and rafinha i mean i mentioned it before i called him a jerk off before um, a tosser. You could, you could, you can, you know, level any manner of insults, and they're all justified. Um, he was, he was awful. That you know, going down after a touch, throwing him down to the ground, complete theatrics. Um, you know, and he's just, I don't know, I think he's old, he's at the end of his career, and he has nothing really, really to um, be proud of in the way that he approached that game. So well done for to Robbo for standing up for his mate, our mate, Sadio Mane. And um, it, 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 it was terrific. It's all heartwarming stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, on that note, thank you very much, gentlemen. It's been so great to have Neil and Ryo and Rob with us and I hope you enjoyed it too listeners uh, thank you all for joining me today
And thus, as the snorting Arabian stallion of this episode gallops gracefully over the horizon, may I quickly just remind you that you may follow us on Twitter, at CopOnPodcast. You may send us a Christmas gift to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com. Or you may even, indeed, support us via Patreon.com forward slash CopOnPodcast for as little as $1 per month. If none of that tickles your pickle, floats your boat, handles your candles, or combats your wombats, please just tell a friend about Cop On Podcast. That would be smashing. Thank you again, dear, dear, lovely, beautiful listener for listening, and from our perch on top of the whole wide world, Merry Christmas, season's greetings, and happy holidays, one and 